Welcome to another edition of the Columbia University Sports Podcast, The Cusp Show, where we talk about business and technology and leadership, all different kinds of topics. Uh, I'm Joe Favorito, along with my co-host, Tom Richardson. Tom, welcome back. How are you, Joe? What's cooking? Good. We're ending up, uh, we're doing this one for people who are listening at various times. Uh, towards the end of June, uh, dealing with all different kinds of things from the pandemic and where that goes to, to Black Lives Matter, to when sports will come back from the hiatus. Um, we've got a special guest today, not to talk about his primary job as much, which is things that go on on the diamond, but leadership and innovation and a little bit of wine and maybe some Lafayette College and some other stuff we'll talk about. So Joe Madden, the manager of the Los Angeles Angels, welcome. Good morning, gentlemen. I uh, was really pleased and eager to get to visit with you guys today. And uh, um, I've been doing a lot of these Zoomers. I've been Zooming all over the place since the <laughs> pandemic began. It's been, um, the way I describe it to everybody, I've been speaking what it's like batting practice and ground balls for me. You know, it's able to keep my mind active, sharp, answering the kind of questions I'll have to answer once the season begins. Plus, it keeps you up front. Like when you, when during the offseason, the way I describe it is I like to turn the dimmer switch down. I never want to turn it off. Uh, mm -hmm. But when you get to this time of the year, you don't want to dim it at all. So it's been kind of interesting, all the different people I've met through Zooming. Yeah, it's been, um, I'm sure you never thought that you wouldn't be somewhere around a baseball diamond at this time of year, especially at this point of your career. Mm -hmm. um, but can you just kind of tell us a little bit about like, what your days have been like. You started a, a podcast, which we want to talk about called Uncorked, which is on a hiatus now with MLB. Um, but what is the kind of the day-to-day -day business been like for you, you know, trying to stay involved or other things that you've been interested in that you've been able to engage in during this time? It's been fascinating. Um, let me go back. Uh, when it first began, I was still in Arizona and I'm in Long Beach right now. Uh, my wife, Jay, we were in our RV over there and she took off to come over here to get our house ready for everything that's going to happen. And I stayed in the RV for about one month over there. And all I did, um, I was kind of Spartan slept in. Well, I'm not late. I was like in at five thirty, six o'clock in the morning, slept, ate well, uh, rode my bicycle, talked into a tape recorder. And after that month, uh, I had a much better understanding of who I was. It was, it was outstanding. I have not really had that opportunity. Wow. I don't even know when to, to, to work, to go through a day not being preoccupied. I mean, that's mm -hmm. the best way I could describe it. I, yeah. In this game and what I do, uh, like all of us, we, 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 we're into this preoccupation all the time. And there's a great line that I read years ago that anxiety lives in the future. So if you're going to be like weirded out about anything, it's about something you have to do. And um, this was such a present tense moment. Time slowed down. I've never had days that long. Um, in a sense. And, uh, I, I don't, I can't tell you that I've never, I haven't enjoyed days that much, maybe since I was a kid, I, I realized I was a night, I was a product of the 1980s as a coach. So I kind of started uh, talking to, about myself as a, a millennial, I'm a millennial coach. And, um, all these things came to, to my mind at that time. So did that. Then when I got over here, things started ramping up more calls with the coaching staff, uh, players, uh, front office, um, I thought it was necessary to really keep structure about what we're doing. And then it got to the point, furloughed employees, and I thought it was really important that I um, would touch everybody. So all the, the guys and ladies that were furloughed from our baseball department have been in touch with them. And now 
again, more ramping it up, ramping it up, ramping it up. So it's been a progressive, uh, a lot of bike riding, a lot of bike riding, tons of bike riding. So I've, I've kind of attended to myself and um, I've enjoyed the interaction virtually with uh, so many people. Hey, Joe, I want to go back to that comment, that interesting comment you made a minute ago. You said you, while you're in the RV uh, spending some time alone, you were talking into the microphone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Did you do that as a, as a, just a, a way to kind of get your thoughts out for poten- potential future use of a memoir or just to kind of clear your mind? Like, what, what was the purpose of that? Because I, I listened to your podcast you did with Cubs Talk recently, and you talked about, I think you used the word clarity, this time for clarity. Yeah. So it's, it feels like that's connected. Totally connected. Um, yeah. Um, for myself and for, you know, possibly getting it published at some point, I've been asked for so many years to do that. And I'd never thought it was the right time to, um, everybody's writing books. <laughs> Everybody wants to write a book and, um, I, and I'm a, I'm a avid book reader and I get it. But, um, you know, when it's about you, it's, are you, who's really going to be interested in when's the right time? And if I accumulated enough, um, uh, knowledge, wisdom, uh, cachet to, to do so. I'm really, uh, aware of that. So while I've been doing that, the clarity has been, wow. I mean, I've been encouraged to dig deeper, dig down, drill down more deeply into my thoughts. And I have, um, it's, it's weird. I mean, unless you challenge yourself to do that, you're going to stay on the surface a lot. I think, mm-hmm. uh, I've been talking about myself and I don't think that I'm unique. Um, unless you challenge yourself to go a little bit more deeply into what you're thinking and what you think about whatever, uh, right now, black lives matter, uh, the pandemic and, uh, uh, all the different things that we read and who's actually right about this. Uh, and then you come down to baseball negotiations. So who's right. I mean, I mean, bias is truth. Truth is bias. They've become the same word. So all these things have been a big part of this. And um, I never want to go back. I want to maintain this this level of digging a little bit more deeply about what am I thinking? What am I seeing so that I can be beneficial to those around me, hopefully? How does um, your your platform Respect90, which uh, that's kind of how we got to this point, Rick Vaughn, who I'm close with and okay. runs your, your, helps run your foundation. Tell us about how Respect90, your platform, ties into that thinking and, and how it's kind of evolved over, over time. Well, I mean, Respect90 is our foundation that we've created, uh, my wife Jay and I, I don't know, was it 10 or so years ago? Um, Respect90 is a distance from home plate to first base. Uh, I've always thought that if a baseball player respects that distance, It'll permeate the rest of his game. And then one of our guys also realized that respect begins at home. So all this stuff uh, uh, intermingled actually really well. We created it primarily, uh, it started with homelessness in, in um, something right down the street here. I ride my bike, Sunset, East Ride Sunset to Huntington to Newport, a lot of homeless people. And it really bothered me a lot. And, uh, but I thought I needed a larger platform in order to make the appropriate noise. So when I got to the raise, double raise, as a manager, we started the um, Thanks Miss program then, or to feed the homeless. Eventually, uh, we get back to Pennsylvania. There's a disconnect between the Anglo's and the Hispanics in my hometown, and all of a sudden, that's from pretty much this area where I'm sitting right now. We we thought of um, the Hazelton Integration Project and what that would mean to that city, and bringing the cultures together, and really met with a lot of resistance, as you can imagine 
uh, coal region, uh, northeastern Pennsylvania. I had grown up there. A lot of folks that I uh, had known growing up are still there. Didn't necessarily believe in what I was talking about, but that did not dissuade at all. So the Respect 90 program started with Thanks Miss, builds into the Hazleton Integration Project. Now we have the Hazel One Community Center, primarily, like I said, to, to bring the cultures together. And then beyond that, we've also uh, entered into uh, pediatric cancer. We've raised money through Shaving Our Heads. We've benefited uh, hospitals in um, uh, Florida, Chicago, um, Arizona. Now we're reaching out here into Southern California. We've done boxing. I, I, I'll be, two things I wanted at the, is at the One Community Center was boxing and uh, public speaking. Uh, boxing because I thought it was a very inexpensive way to help create self-discipline get kids off the street, and quite frankly, just test how tough you are. And I thought it was a better way to do that. Um, so we started it there, and then we've it's actually a part of our community now. It's not in our center, but we've had bouts in Chicago. We, drew, we flew kids from Chicago to Hazleton last year. Tremendous event in Hazleton. We want to perpetuate that. Uh, so that's another big part of, of what we've done there, too, with the community center. Um, so it's the, the one thing that I've really been wanting to do, like I said, I think should be a part of every, every school's curriculum, every school, everywhere, public speaking, and then the all-star team would be the debate club. Um, you know, it's just like Little League. I played for Unico. I wanted to make the Hazel Little League all-stars. That, to me, would be the debate club. And there should be a meritocracy. Yeah, you shouldn't just – everybody shouldn't just get trophies. you got to be – you know, work at something and earn it to be good, and then all of a sudden I want to be part of this group. I think any kid uh, that's able to, this, this is where C students get good jobs because <laughs> they can stand in front of somebody and really explain themselves well. And I mean, what's, what's, what's more vital to all of us than being able to think on our feet and adjust and, and see what's going on in front of us and, and, and rely on, I believe in feel. Um, I'm in, I'm, you know, I, I get data. I believe data. I believe in metrics. I believe all that stuff. But at the end of the day, man, the moment matters and the moment you have to be able to adjust. So I believe and feel all these things can be nurtured uh, with the appropriate academic setting. Hey, Joe, if you, that's a good point about public speaking, because as, as you know, it's not part of a curriculum per se. It's not even really necessarily encouraged in most educational environments, right. but couldn't agree with you more. It's absolutely vital. Have you been able to convey that to all the young men that you've mentored over these last few decades? Because I'm sure beyond giving them advice about baseball playing, you give them a lot of life advice too along, along the way, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like one of those things you read your audience all the time. Yeah. And if I feel it's germane, I throw it out there. Um, I was horrible at doing this in the beginning. I was horrible. I was scared out of my mind all the time. I took a um, Andrew Carnegie uh, class in Phoenix. I read the books. Um, Dale Carnegie. Uh, excuse me, Dale Carnegie. I, <laughs> I was going to say, you're learning about industrialism or yeah, something? Yeah, <laughs> that kind of, that, when I said it, it didn't sound right. Thank right. you. <laughs> um, I did all that, um, uh, rather be uh, shot than start, whipped than finish when he's talking about uh, growing up as a young public speaker. So I, I totally, I, we're missing the point. I mean, these are the kind of skills that if young people had or are really a nurture, wow, does it benefit you? Um, I, I'm right now my granddaughter, Tyler, who's brilliant. I'm trying to get her in contact with somebody that I know very well. And, and I think they, that she could be beneficial, but she keeps balking at talking to her. She's not sure I'm not. 
And although Tyler's really sharp, I says, honey, just no, make the call, cold call her, explain the situation, talk to her. And I promise you it's going to come out right. Uh, but she's still reticent. So I, these are the, I, I want her just to get on the phone and, and go be herself. And I know it's going to be a great result. Um, that's just a small example. But when you're able to think on your feet and communicate, like I said, see students become uh, leaders at that point. Yeah. Do, do you keep up with a lot of ex-players with whom you connected uh, on more philosophical and kind of human levels? Um, depends on the guy. I mean, yeah. some guys uh, seek that out naturally. Um, you know, there's like Anthony Rizzo is a former player right now, but Anthony and I will talk about different things. Uh, guys out of my past, um, you know, I ran into BJ Upton sometimes down in, in Tampa. BJ and I'll get into it. Maddie Joyce going way back. Uh, Darren Erstad, absolutely. Erstad and I get in a good conversation. Timothy Salmon. Um, yeah, I mean, I could keep going back. Coaches a lot of coaches and like a lot of coaches have sought me out, which is like weird uh, to me. Like, I mean, NFL coaches, like active NFL coaches have um, contacted me and NBA guys too. Um, uh, it's obviously very flattering, uh, nothing that I ever even imagined, but uh, then it gets philosophical and I really appreciate it. Cause listen, I'm looking, I'm looking to gain something in return selfishly. But it happens all the time. And I, that's the kind of conversation I enjoy. Um, when I, I enjoy sports writers that get off the beaten path a little bit and take a trip down to uh, philosophy land there and, and, and really make me think a little bit about stuff that caused me or really is, the, is the, the foundation of what I do and how I do it. It truly is. It's, I really, I'm really good. I'm really good coach. I'm very good at coaching baseball. I've, uh, I've had great mentors and that's the part of me that people don't really necessarily get to see because I manage and they don't see me as a coach, but I've, uh, I've, I'm really good at that part of the game too, but I so enjoy talking about the, the process behind all of that. Nice. Hey, um, um, so, Joe, we want to bring up one name from your past who we've crossed paths with and actually had him on our podcast is Fernando Perez. Uh, Poof, my boy. And someone He came up with, uh, we err on the side of aggressiveness. He yeah. said that after one playoff game, remember the time he slid and scored uh, against the Red Sox, the fly ball on the left, uh, right field line, J.D. Drew caught it. Yeah. I kind of remember I, that, I'm pretty yeah. sure right after that game, he blurted it out. We err on the side of aggressiveness. Yeah. Love, love me some Fernando, man. He's awesome. I'm yeah. sorry to interrupt. I just didn't want to forget. No, no, he's, he's an amazing, and, yeah. and you stayed in touch since the two years ago when we did it, and I've tried to help him get involved with some places. But you talk about a deep thinker. We actually talked together in the School of the New York Times okay. uh, with kids a couple of years ago, and he's all about the storytelling. But I wanted to touch on that and the storytelling. So two things that, that I think it seems like you've really embraced, and how do they play out? One is listening to people and learning from them. And the other is teaching. How, how valuable you being a manager or before you as a coach are those two skills, listening and being able to teach? Even as a young major league coach, uh, that's when they started asking me, uh, they being writers and media guys asking me questions. What's the most important thing you do as a major league coach? And I said, listen, that's the first thing. Um, and then, of course, it's the most important thing I do as a manager, as a father, as a husband. I think the most important thing I do is listen. 
And when you listen properly, you're not like I'd stepped over your conversation a moment ago. And that's why I apologize. You, a lot of people, most of us are in a process of formulating our answer without listening to the entire thought coming from whomever you're listening to. I'm very aware of that. I hate when I do that. And I, and I scold myself internally when I do. Conversely, when people do that to me, I'm very aware of that also. And when that starts happening, I'm, I'm less apt to give you the full thought process that I got because I don't know how interested you actually are. Isn't it true when you're speaking with somebody and you really believe they're listening and you really believe they're latched on to what you're talking, you'll talking about, you'll give them everything. You'll give them as much time. You'll give them everything. If you sincerely believe that's coming your way from them. Um, so yes, I mean, I am so, uh, so into that concept and you can't teach if you, unless you listen, you can't, I mean, uh, when the, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear great line. So how do you know, how do you know what, where, where you need to go with this conversation or this teaching point unless you listen to what the issue is, the problem is where this dude's coming from, this lady's coming from. So, uh, they're so interconnected. Um, I'm very aware of all of that. I'm highly aware of that. Uh, this goes back to my training in the eighties, started with uh, Dr. Doug Larish out of Arizona state. He was like the first kind of sport mental skills guy um, that we brought on board. He was totally met with resistance. Absolutely. His son, Jeff, actually played for the Detroit Tigers. Totally met with resistance. The coaches in my room, oh, my God, you thought that he was coming in and, and, and literally um, torturing them in some way. And then and here came Ken Revisor right after that, my man, Kenny. So uh, I've, been, I've, been, I've, been, I've been taught by a lot of very good uh, teachers. So, so that also relates to the fact that you're now, um, you've joined the podcasting club, Joe mentioned on Cork before. So uh -huh. I, I ran across that kind of randomly, I think the day at launch, I believe it was May 26. It must okay. have been in my feed. And because of your, um, I, I don't know, I, I like your style and I kind of like your insights. So I clicked on it okay. and I thoroughly enjoyed your conversation with Bruce Arians and so we'd like to hear a little bit more about what you plan on doing with Uncorked. I know you had to stop a little bit right now yeah. because of some of the sensitivities, but um, just one follow-up point to that. Um, I like the idea of cross-sport conversation. Like you talking to an NFL coach, I thought was great. So will we see more of that? Appreciate it. Yeah, um, thank you. MLB contacted me about that. I've been – let me come back to this. I've been on a mission – um, I do something called outer Skype where I've Skyped classrooms because I think the best, the best way for us to get kids interested in baseball, whether they want to play it or just be fans is to meet kids. And I can't get out and during the baseball season and attend schools on a daily basis. It's obviously it's impossible. Nor can my guys, but via technology, we can, I did it several years ago, uh, a journalism class in New Jersey, an eighth grader at the last question asked me, what does Major League Baseball do, uh, technologically speaking, in order to contact us, stay in touch with us kids, and, and, uh, and create this connection? And I had to say, nothing. You're absolutely right, nothing. So he encouraged me with that one concept to, to continue. And we have, and now with Zoom, the, the potential to reach vast audiences of kids is incredibly easy 
and impactful. If you imagine all 30 of my guys, 25 of my guys, my coaches picking one day a month during the school season, school year, one day, 10 o'clock in the morning, like I, I do it like when I'm on the road, pick one day, half hour, 45 minutes, and get into this Zooms session with 100 kids, create a conversation, answer questions, whatever. Wow. If I'm on the other end of that as a kid and Bob Gibson's on the other side of that Zoom call, my God, I wouldn't be able to sleep the night before, the night after, whatever. So that, uh, going back to uh, Uncork. So I had been trying to promote this concept and, and the marketing concept to bring in kids. And so that got them interested in doing something a little bit, just a little bit more adult and cork with the bottle of wine. But I want to get back to this zooming uh, outer Skyping of kids in order to attract our next audience. Um, so uncorked, yes, you're going to see those kind of guests, uh, coach Arians. I've, I've contacted Phil Jackson, possibly maybe down the road, um, could be a guest. I haven't talked to Joe yet. Name it, but name it to be a great one. I've, um, Anthony Rizzo contacted me. Anthony wants to jump on board. Um, there's a whole myriad, like you said, of coaches. I've gotten to know so many coaches, Nick nurse and I constantly uh, go back and forth. I don't, you know, I don't know if you know Nick at all, but Nick is really gregarious, ingratiating. He did it the right way. I'm a big fan of Nick, how he got to the NBA and the success that he's had. So the point would be just have a conversation, conversation between me and the coach. Um, with Bruce, it was easy because I knew him well. Uh, he's from the same part of Pennsylvania. Kind of you look at the background and how we got where we got pretty similar stuff. So moving it forward, that would be the premise is to find guys like that. Um, and actually, we talked about a couple of women uh, being involved in um, uh, the next uh, one of the next couple. And I uh, might have been some ESPN reporters. I can't remember exactly who we were talking about, but it goes all over the map and I'm game. I'm into it. So I'm going to give you one that you should try, Joe, because you mentioned before we came on that you had dinner with Tony LaRusso last night. Yeah. So I've worked on a bunch of Broadway shows, including when we did Lombardi on Broadway. And our director is a guy named Tommy Kale, who went on to direct yeah. Hamilton. And Tommy has always talked about, he's good, good friends with Coach LaRusso, okay. about the commonality between directing on Broadway and in film and managing. And for years, I've been trying to get two people in the room to talk about that. So now I'm going to put it on you, Joe Madden, to see okay. how you can pull those guys together. Because that's an amazing conversation about how those processes evolve that people have never really put together. So that's my little. I'll throw it. I mean, actually, I thought about it last night. We're having dinner and I'm thinking to myself, God, Tony, be perfect for this. Because he and I have really developed a good relationship. I'll tell you another interesting cat would be Jimmy Leland. I mean, Jimmy, I love Jimmy Leland. Um, um, Don Zimmer is the one that got me in touch with uh, Jim and we've kind of, kind of become buds since then. And, and Jimmy and, um, and Tony are very tight. So yeah, there's, there's definitely uh, uh, that's a solid idea right there. Um, I want to throw out, I know we only have a little bit more time, but one thing that, that when we always ask people who are in positions of leadership, who've been very successful, I always like to ask them the other side is like, what do you learn from losses? What do you learn from the, the mistakes that have been made along the way? When you think back to, are there things that you can pull out of, whether it's a game, whether oh, yeah. it's a family situation, a business, that you're able to share with people about what it's like to lose and what you learn? Well, it's, that's where you learn everything. Um, it's, I don't know how much you learn actually from the good moments because um, you, you get in the zone, all the momentum's going your way, everything's in a flow. 
you're going to get the hit. You're going to make the pitch. You're going to make the play. Um, you're going to say the right thing. I mean, everything's in a flow. It's when it doesn't go so well <clears throat> that you start learning some stuff. And uh, the one thought I've been really giving my guys recently, and I've often, <clears throat> excuse me, talked to my kids about for years, is to embrace the struggle because that's where growth occurs. Um, I don't know that any everybody really realizes that or thinks about that enough, but I certainly do. Uh, I'll give you succinctly uh, a classic example for me was in 85, 86, uh, managing the Midland Angels, probably the worst two years of my baseball existence in a position of leadership because I did so many things wrong. <clears throat> and when I got out of that, that two-year period, I realized all the wrong I had done. And then I just really started observing um, a lot of other coaches, a lot of, it became a rover. So I was able to see different methods uh, from a whole bunch of different people. And again, furthermore, expanding on that, you so much learn um, from watching other people do things you would never do and you think are absolutely wrong. I don't even know if I've learned more from that than from hearing from people that have told me the right way to, or impressed me with the right way to do things. But in Midland, I, I was really, I took things too personally. We weren't winning. I was starting to, to really uh, blame, point fingers, and, and really be um, not the leader I needed to be with my group to the point where I went to a local uh, newspaper stand and bought newspapers from all over the United States, took out the classified ads, and posted them all over the, uh, the clubhouse. <laughs> and wanted my guys to know, listen, if you don't want to get after it, you don't want to get into it. The effort level is not there. <clears throat> Excuse me. These are your options. These are your options to, to work here in San Antonio or here in Mobile, Alabama, wherever it might be. Wow, what a mistake. Uh, you never threaten people. You never, you can't threaten as a leader ever. Um, you got to communicate. You got to, and you can't take it personally, man. You can't take it personally and you can't threaten. You got to continue to communicate. And, um, and when you do that, the answer is going to show up. The, the method's going to show up. Eyes open, ears open, mouth shut. That's the best way to do it. Cool. Tom, you want to take us home with your... Uh, <clears throat> yeah, Joe, we'd like to ask all our guests a couple of questions to, sure. to wrap this up. And um, I'm particularly interested in the first one, which is how do you keep up on things? How do you stay smart? What are you reading? What are you listening to day to day? And if you can share any specific mm. examples, that would be great, like podcasts or books you're reading or whatever. Well, I mean, um, I'm, I'm slightly disappointed in myself because I was the best book reader you've ever met in your life. Uh, although I'll defend myself a little bit because what we're using right now, I read constantly, but I'm reading newspapers, articles, uh, things that are sent to me. I'm not, I'm not a listener of podcasts as much. Sorry. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, but I, I read, I read from the time I get up. So I think part of the reason why I don't read novels as much is because there's, there's such a glut of, uh, of information daily mm -hmm. about a myriad of subjects that I'm into that anyway. Right. So that's, that's my day is reading everything I get my hands on. Yeah. Books. I mean, I could tell you, uh, James Michener was an original uh, influencer for me. Um, I've read everything that Pat Conroy's ever written, and I think he's the best writer I've ever read. Nice. Uh, Ken Follett, uh, Pillars of the Earth, one of my favorite all-timers. 
And then you read all the, the other dudes, like I said, Carnegie and uh, Zig Ziglar and uh, the Kobe's and uh, uh, Wayne Dyer is one of my favorite all timers. Hmm. So I think I'm able to uh, draw on those, the, the thoughts or the words from those things that I've read in the past often. Well, either when I'm talking to my guys or sometimes at the press and even like with you guys today where uh, the student, uh, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. I think that came out of a Wayne Dyer book. Um, I'm big on Wilson DeMille, a civilization will survive if everyday people did everyday, everyday things every day from the, by, by the rivers of Babylon. Great read. Uh, Nelson DeMille, tremendous stuff. He's a New York, I think, Long Island guy. So I, I'm influenced constantly by what I've read in the past. And uh, I so, I mean, right now on the iPad, I just did Maya Angelou. I brought down, I just downloaded uh, one of her works, to, you know, based on what's going on right now. A couple of years ago, I wanted to know more about the Middle East. So I, I did Exodus and the Hajj by Leon Uris. Tremendous reads. So there's so much, whatever you want to become more current with, research it and get into it. But Leon Uris turned out to be one of my favorites. Uh, Armageddon, I think, is another one of his. Um, QB7, all that uh, stuff. I've, I've read all that. I have to ask a quick follow-up. How do you keep up day-to-day -day on the subject of baseball, Major League Baseball? <laughs> um, how do I keep up with it? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't watch ESPN. I don't watch MOB Network. Um, <laughs> I, I, I keep up with it. I read... <laughs> I read the New York Post. That's my that's hey, my Bible. Yeah, so do we. <laughs> uh, that's, I'm a Post guy. I think the Post has the best sports page in the country. I think they got the best writers. I mean, Joel and Ken um, are really good. Um, I think they um, I think they write without bias. I think they just try to present it from both sides well, and that's all I'm looking for. Whatever I read, I, I'm I'm really looking for the the middle road writer, and they can't. It's hard to find those dudes anymore or ladies. Everybody's so polar uh, in, yeah. in their opinions so biased, they're almost like they feel like they have to be um i i really don't uh i don't enjoy by i don't like i don't like extremism in general yeah. uh in baseball i don't want i don't want all analytics i don't want all old school i want to balance uh to how this thing works i want that in my everyday life so uh i want pure intentions i want i i, I really seek to try to find that person that works from uh, a basis of, of pure intentions and, and that person's invaluable. That's a mentor to me. And that's the, that's the person, if I got uh, an issue that I can't figure out, that's the person I want to talk to. I don't need, a, an, ex I don't need a, an extremist perspective. Um, and and that's, that's just, that's how I think. That's who I am. And that's the premise I work from. Nice. And last but not least, you've already offered, offered up a ton of great insights. Uh, but can you offer up some specific career advice? We have a lot of young people listening associated with our program and alumni and things, people building their careers in sports yeah. and beyond. So, so what do you, what can, what can you, uh, what can you tell them right now? Well, I, I've already alluded to it and uh, I so, I so mean it. Embrace the struggle because that's where growth occurs. Um, everybody wants instant gratification. I'm planting a garden out there right right now, and I just put some stuff in the ground, and you cannot expect it to be that full-blown thing very quickly. It takes time. I think being a good gardener, uh, learning patience is a, is a, is a good method. Um, I just think, you know, we're in that microwave society, man, where everybody wants things done in 30 seconds, a minute. 
It doesn't work that way. And furthermore, I'll give you an example of me personally. I didn't get my major league job till I was 51 yep. as a major league manager. Grateful, so grateful. All the steps I took to get to that point. People, you know, when, when I speak or talk pre or post game and sometimes people disagree, I'm fine with that. Because whatever I'm saying, I promise you, I've had this well thought out and I feel very strongly about what I'm saying right now. It's, it's not... It's not haphazard. Seat of the pants, I'm okay. I'm into the Blink method. I'm a Gladwell guy, and I believe in that also. Because to me, Blink is is your is your culmination of experiences. So, uh, be patient. Uh, do mop the floors, clean the toilets, do all that kind of stuff. Drive the limousine, brother. Do all that stuff, and and then eventually, when you get to the point where you you arrive at that level, uh, where you've you've uh, achieved that goal um got so much to this 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 whole cachet this bank this this uh fund of of great knowledge and information that's yours you know you didn't have to ask anybody about well what was it like you actually did it uh mm -hmm. last point i'll shut up five levels of being a professional level one happy to be here level two survival i like this i want to stay here i want to do this level three um, I belong here. I can do this. Got to get there as quickly as you can. Level four, don't ever denigrate anybody. I want to make as much money as I can. Level five, all I want to do is win. That's what I talk to my <clears throat> players about, but I also realized over the last several years, it applies to all professions. I believe happy to be here. Survival. I belong here. I can do this. I want to make some dough. All I want to do is win. Um, I, I think you need to go through all those stages in order to be good at what you do. Joe, you have to write a book. That's it. Making dough helps. <laughs> really. I you, you, you have at least three buyers of that book. Uh, so, so go for it. Well, no, this, uh, what I'm talking about, you're asking me questions. This is what I've been drilling down. Yeah. yeah. On okay. No, it's good stuff. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. We appreciate the cathartic uh, podcast today. But anyway, so Joe, uh, before we let you go, most importantly, where can people find out more about Respect90? Uh, you are on Twitter. Uh, what's your Twitter handle? And if there's any other places where we should direct people to learn more about all the things that you're doing away from the baseball diet. Thank you. Um, I think my Twitter, I think, is at Mad Halos, right? M-A-D-D. Yeah, yeah, it is. Right, M-A-D-D. At Mad Halos. Uh, Respect90. If you would go to respect90.org, you'd get a lot of, uh, it'd give you a whole rundown of our history. And it also permits you to buy new things like uh, Do Simple Better, we're selling merchandise there to raise money for the foundation. I'm doing uh, cameos now. It's something called cameo uh, to raise money. I'm just trying to be more creative because um, right now it's difficult to get out there. So respect90.org will give you the whole background, how it was created. And then the Hazelton integration project.org dovetails. And I think you could um, click on one out of, you could, you could get to the integration project via uh, respect90.org. I think there's a link in there. So check it out and, and understand, I mean, this is just the beginning. We're, we've been wanting to help other uh, communities around Northeastern Pennsylvania do the same thing that we're doing. When it first began, typically it was met with, like I said, a lot of resistance and it cannot be more pertinent to society today. It cannot be more pertinent what we've done back there. So we're proud of that in a sense, but we're also, you know, it's, it's, you're always constantly looking to grow and get better at what you do. So please check it out. We'd really appreciate it. Great. 
Um, so Tom, I'll wrap it up. Joe, once again, thanks for joining us. Uh, we look forward to seeing you back on your primary job, hopefully before long. And uh, you apply all these contemplative thoughts to, you know, figuring out when you're behind in the seventh inning and say, why the hell was I thinking about that as opposed to this? But anyway, um, always you. great to have someone who has an interest in wine and an Italian background as you do on our podcast. Um, but once again, Tom, a lot of learnings today. Oh, my God. Thank you so much, Joe. It really was a pleasure and an honor to, to hear from you. So we appreciate the time on behalf of Columbia. Uh, we'd love to have you back sometime yeah, uh, listen, for more. It's very mutual, and I can't okay. emphasize enough. You guys made me better today by well, the questions you. you asked me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Nice job. Well, All good. right. Good luck this season. Thank you, gentlemen. You be well. Once, once again, this has been the Columbia University Sports Podcast, The Cusp Show. I'm Joe Favorito for my co-host, Tom Richardson. We'll see you down the road. <laughs>